Well, I'm, I am, you know, been wanting to talk to Noah Daniel for a long time because we had talked uh, was four years ago about you. So much has happened since. And we started talking and said, why don't we just record this? And you're on my porch now and we're talking, my virtual porch. <laughs> Does your virtual you. porch come with a hug? Because I cannot wait to actually hug you one day, but I'll take a virtual one for now. Oh, we are definitely going to get together. We have to, because I think that's the problem. I, I got together with some of the people because I was at a conference and and we were hugging. We had our masks on, but we were hugging. And I was thinking, gosh, it feels so good. You know, you can do the virtual hug, but it's just not the same. It's not the same. But I do have you up on Zoom and I can see you and we can talk. And you're you're so beautiful. You are. Thank you. That's a nice thing for you to say. Thank you. Oh, well, you know, Noah, I've known you for a long time. And and what's so cool is the directions that you're going in. And you haven't, you know, you're, you're excited kind of expanding and growing and changing. And that's kind of what we want everyone to do, but it's like you're modeling it for us. And I just, I'm so grateful to know you. I feel grateful to know you. I've upskilled a lot since our first conversation four years ago. So I'm excited to have this more intimate chat and reflect on all that's happened. Well, think about that, was it four years ago? I can't remember if I had you on mine first or I was on, I think I was on yours first. I can't remember now. How did we do that? I think we did a two, four day, like you <gasps> recorded day. and then I recorded. So it was one of us first. And, you know, as much as I love knowing you through your books, getting to actually speak to you about your life and through the music of the personal playlist podcast, it was a very special time with you. Maybe we should talk about that because um, it's kind of nice to know you still have it because you told me it's still there. Um, it, you made me cry. <laughs> I didn't make you cry. The universe decided that you needed a visit and that, yeah, I think whoever hasn't heard that episode, hopefully they can, they can hear it because not only is it intimate and you had these really vulnerable moments, but so much of what you bring to your whys are in that recording. Mm. I quite love it. Well, I got to know you a lot with the one I did with you, but then you, you did it. You touched my heart. <laughs> Maybe that's why I did that because we had the talk first with on my show and then um, I'm on yours. And then you said, what three songs her personal play everyone if you haven't listened to the personal playlist you just have to because the idea of finding what are the songs that mean the most to you and you said pick three i, I had to really think about it and well that's where the categories help a little bit like mm -hmm. the nostalgic identity and pick me up and even though i had to walk away from the podcast after three and a half years because of the copyright issues with music I still use it in the classroom as the personal playlist project. And I spoke about it on my TED talk and it's something I speak about at conferences and I believe teachers are using across the world. So it, it continues to make an impact even if I don't have the show. Well, yeah, and that was sad that that happened, but you still have it, which is so amazing. And I'm really excited about that because I was like, 
um, okay, I'll download it, but it's not the same. It's better when it's on yours. So that made me happy when you told me that it's still there and people are using all of them for, and you know, that for ways they can get the kids to talk, you know, they love music. So I, I mean, music is so, so big in your life. Why, why is that? I'm just kind of Well, I I mean, I talk a little bit about that in the TEDx talk, but really music is something that I think all people connect to as universal language. But for me, my dad owned record stores. And so instead of getting, you know, little trinkets here and there, I got spider clips and, you know, 45s. (laughs) And that was my first job. And in like the olden days, when you would get a heat sealer on an album, Like that was my big accomplishment when I was old enough. Like I think I was 10 before I was allowed to use the heat sealer and I would sit there and and I would pack up people's records. That would be my job. And then I got older and I worked in the store. And so you had to learn about the music and the different genres and help people find the music they wanted, whether it was for them or for somebody else. So I love to talk about music and I love to be immersed in the sound of music, but I'm not musical in a traditional way. I can't read music and yet, I throw out song lyrics randomly throughout my day and I, I write (laughs) songs for fun for people's birthdays. And then just recently I wrote my very first song to music that goes with the book. Oh, I love your book. (laughs) I have it here. (laughs) I, you know, I, when I saw that at first, when you told me you were going to write it or you, you know, I was trying to figure out how did you figure that out? It's, it's drum and the wild turkeys right is that did i get it right you did the story is amazing do you want to just share a little bit about it and then we can talk about the art that goes with it after absolutely it was one of those really weird moments in life when i got a call from this guy who was a brother um of where this story happened and basically they had a peacock on their ranch and it escaped its enclosure and it was this mystery what happened to our peacock and a year later caught on a trail cam was this mysterious peacock looking like it was leading a pack of wild turkeys and they sent me a picture and said noah would you write this book and weirdly enough i was working on my ted talk and i said no i can't but then they moved my TED talk to february and this was september and i was in flow i was in flow related to writing and i was writing about the, the P3 and music in the classroom. So when I started doing research on peacocks and turkeys and trying to find a common thread, it was music. And I learned about peacocks making sounds with their feathers, not just through vocalizations. And then I learned that turkeys made sounds and the names of the sounds are cut, gobble, kiki, and yelp. And as soon as I learned that, I started to imagine the band. And so each of the wild turkeys in the band our cat gobble kiki and yelp and i got to think about the backstories and like what what the problem would be and what the solution would be and really build a story around i think something very special that turns out to be so much a part of me i didn't even know and then when i was done i thought oh my gosh this needs to be in a classroom and i asked the guys because they wanted to self-publish it if it was okay if i sent it to edge match and edge match said yes and and now Strum the Wild Turkeys is a book. And thanks to Alana McCarthy, who is not just the illustrator, but really a brilliant artist. She took the story and brought out emotion in these characters in a way I could never have imagined. It was a really beautiful symbiotic relationship. And we continue working together now. 
I, I mean, the, the illustrations are unbelievable. And mm-hmm. Elena is, I mean, brilliant. If she's, you know, so how long did it take for you, the two of you to actually pull all of the, you know, your, I know you had your story, but you must have done some, you know, a lot of collaborating. Well, at first, um, I was trying to talk to her about the characters. And so I had written the backstory of all the characters so that mm-hmm. that could contribute to how she was going to show them. But then she said, you know, I'm visual. And so I made her a collage on slides for each one of the characters and brought in, you know, images and musical instruments and talked her through each of those things. And it took about a month and a half for her to get strum because he was such an important character. He has an imperfect plume. And so he wears it across his chest, which is how he became called strum because he would strum it instead of bringing it in order to make music. And so it was really important that she nailed strum. And I, I gave her you know, these um, artists to kind of channel and these images for his eyes. And she was just amazing. And she'd say, how about this? And she she would show me sketches. And eventually once she got strum, everything else started to just happen much faster. And so every two weeks I would get, you know, one of the characters and I sometimes would have feedback like, with Yelp, I really wanted her to have Stevie Nicks hair. And the first couple of heads <laughs> oh, of hair that she I had gotta look, were I just gotta look. not. I will show you all of that, like the backstory pieces, if you want. I'm happy to share that with you separately, but because uh-huh. I think you'll appreciate the artists behind yeah, it. But yeah. it was neat because I had to tell her not just who they were, but how they moved and how they interacted. And you don't see that in this book, but I've written the second book. And so you start to really learn about all the characters much more than Strum and go beyond that initial meeting and what they do with it. It's just amazing. I mean, all the work you put into a children's book, people don't know because of the, you have to make the, the illustrations really um, make the story visible. And uh, Elena is, she's just brilliant. And she really is brilliant. She's really brilliant. So it's wonderful that you could work with her and then she could work with you around this beautiful story. So I'm just going to give you a little background here. I live in the Oakland Hills. And when, when my kids were little, we had a peacock. Yes. And it would do, you know, the same thing, but it, it was a, um, a male. And so they had all the feathers and it would, you know, the feathers. (laughs) I love that dance. Yeah. Just like that. But it would also make a very loud noise, <laughs> and you know the singing or whatever they call it. And my neighbors complained because it's very loud, very very loud. So I ended up giving the turkey—I mean the turkey, the peacock—to the zoo because the zoo had a whole at that time. We we have a zoo real near near us, and um, they have their conservation zoo, so they take care of any animals or birds or that want a home or need a home. So that made me feel good. But we also have a lot of wild turkeys. I mean, a lot of wild turkeys. So we have during certain times of the year, I'd say there are three or four males with a lot of females who are, they don't have all the plumage. The males have the you know, the big, and they prayed, the males prayed up and down my, in front of my house 
and they make the noise with the feathers on the ground like that. And they're going back and forth to try to show their who they are. So when I saw your read your story, I'm thinking of my peacock and those turkeys, <laughs> because when you actually see them, you hear it. But that's where you see the musical connection. Like, it's so neat that you got, I didn't know that about them. Like I, I had very limited knowledge about peacocks and turkeys. And even afterwards, when I was creating the teacher's guide or how to use this book, I learned a ton about the different ways that you could connect this book to science and, you know, ecology and all of those different elements. Really neat. I have pictures of the, of the turkeys in front of my house. So maybe I'll send you some so you can see the males like, yeah. I would love to see <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, so you can see. <laughs> but it is really, um, um, I mean, it's it's interesting because a lot of people who live in the cities or in some areas where they don't even have um, you know, access to some of the birds or the animals that we talk about mm-hmm. and that you share in the book. There's so many. So I hope teachers get this book. So we're going to put a link and pictures on it and we're going to share it out because I think it would be really, they'll see why this is really special. Thanks. And, you know, I've been presenting a lot on it. That's how the song came to be as I was presenting on the book And I had been asking people to throw out a genre of music for me to sing this song to that's written in the book that Strum sings. And then I was preparing for to present to 400 kids. And I try to focus on the social emotional elements, especially when I do a picture walk before I do a reading. And then I taught the kids this melody that I came up with. And I said to the team afterwards, I had parents writing me that the kids were singing all day. Like I need to do something with this. And they said, well, why don't you write the song? And I said, because I don't write songs. And they said, just do it. And I said, okay. And there was this song. And then all of a sudden I was working with this woman, Kayla, who's a children's music artist. And she was saying to me, it wasn't working. And she was saying to me, no, the cadence of your words really dictate the melody. And I went kind of back to the drawing board because the chorus was it. Like I had it for the chorus, but for Mm -hmm. the verses, I changed the rhythm. And then the melody came to me. And that next day I happened to be working with this guy, Mark. And I'm like, this is going to sound really strange. This is what the song sounds like. And this is where the guitar comes in goes, you know, like, how do you explain to musical people who have real musical knowledge and intelligence that you're throwing out his tune and you expect them. And there he was like putting notes onto a page and we totally collaborated and have this song that is everything to me right now, because for the same reason, it resonates with kids. It gets people excited around the themes of the story. Mm. And I love music. So it's kind of my thing. It turns this out. is so cool. I want to hear the song, but I don't. Well, I'll send it to you. <laughs> oh, well, can we put it somehow on the post that goes with this so we could have people hear it? Like, to Sure, we can. Of course, we can put the video. I put it in a video with the lyrics so that oh kids my could gosh. learn it. I, I, I give away the music because I want kids to sing it in the classroom. And we're actually doing this thing right now called Strum Into Song, where we've invited artists and families and educators to record their version of the song and send it to me. So, Barbara, I would love to see you do a recording of Different is Good and just throw it in there. I'm going to make a montage video of all the submissions and just kind of joyfully <gasps> celebrate the the metaphor that like all these different takes on this song are wonderful, just like 
uniqueness. Oh my gosh. So the, and the lyrics, they would be nice. Do you have the lyrics separate? So I have people- the lyrics, the music, but I have the lyrics embedded in the YouTube videos with, I'll, I'll send you everything. Oh my gosh. This is so much fun. <laughs> this is, this is how books should be. They shouldn't be just, I mean, I, I, I love living the book and feeling the book and um, taking it uh, you know, deeper, especially when it's around, you know, kids and all, they, they love music. Even if they can't sing, they love music in any way they love the, and that's how they, you teach math. It's the patterns and everything about it. This is uh, how <laughs> wonderful to have you on my porch today. I can't believe it. So I'm chilling with you. I'm yep. chilling, chilling, chilling. I mean, it's, at least I'm not doing dancing. Gosh, I skip you. <laughs> I got you scared last time when I told you story. <laughs> no, I'm still waiting for a picture as evidence, as an artifact of this secret life. I that never you got it. I never, I, you just have to imagine, which is really scary. <laughs> so Barbara is actually talking about being a cage dancer. A Did co- you call it a, a cage? No, go-go. A go-go dancer. Yeah. Sorry. I a even had long dancer. hair. I used to iron my hair. And the long. boots, right? I had the white boots and a white leather <laughs> sh- skirt and then the fringe on the top. It's all white. Amazing. My mom never knew. I, I snuck out of the house to go there. It was like, I was such a bad girl. And I had no idea. I, I thought I was really living something really special. And now I look back, it was. Of course it was. Because yeah. those are things that those are part of our life stories that we yeah. gather and help to define us and help us look at how we, you know, can branch off and, and try things that scare us even, even today. Yeah. Like that's one of the things I love about you. And seeing your work is watching you always grow and being like as enthusiastic probably as what you were when you were a go-go dancer, like just genuinely lover of life. Well, that's how, I mean, I find that this has been a really tough time with the pandemic and some people are giving up and they're not feeling this. And if, you know, we can just model some of the, something that really touches our heart and makes us um, I don't know how to say powerful, but special or magical, something that really touches us, then the kids see that. And, and sometimes you have to be vulnerable. I never was going to tell you that story. You got it out of me and I can't believe I did it. <laughs> but it's like showing the, telling something that really changed you and then modeling that you can change yourself if you want to. And that you did that in your book because- Look at Strum. Look what happened. But that's also like, that's the power of perception Mm -hmm. because he doesn't actually change anything about himself. He just owns himself. He Ah. has a sense of self-belonging that that shame that he carried with him is gone because he knows who he is and people gravitate to him because he's found himself. And when you're you, like that affects other people. It makes people feel connected to you. And that authentic part of yourself is not easy for everybody to find. And Mm -hmm. for me personally, going through the pandemic and writing this book, it has been such a grounding thing for me Mm -hmm. because when I feel like I'm losing myself, I I literally, I have Strum right here next to me and I talk to him and I think, okay, if you can do it, I can do it. And he really does bring me a lot of solace and senses of hope if I'm feeling like I'm a little bit lost. So 
it's good to surround yourself with people who build you up, but it's so important to develop that self-belonging and be okay in your own skin. That's so beautiful. We'll have to take a picture of that with you holding. We'll do that in a minute. Not now. That's really cool. But it's, <laughs> it's, it's so fun. The people I'm meeting um, who are sharing the struggles they had, but how they got through it. And when you wrote this, got the pictures, got the song, all of us. I mean, I bet you it's almost like you feel like I'm finding me and look what I did. And you're, and you're sharing this. See, that's why I want people to write or at least sing or um, something that's, that really expresses who they are because we don't know who we are. A lot of times we're, I wrote it this morning, you know, I just wrote something this morning. Don't rent someone else's story. Tell your story. Mm-hmm. And the reason is that a lot of times someone tells us that you'll be really good at, or, or you need to do this. And so you do it, but that's not really you. And then you find yourself frustrated and then you get angry and resentful. And we, we got to stop that because we need to know who we are inside. And that's why I wrote my book. <laughs> but I love your book. And it's funny because for a lot of years, when I was teaching, people would say to me, you should be an administrator or you need to you know, have more say in things. And I thought, okay, I need to. And I, I went to become an administrator and it wasn't for me. I love the classroom. And I started to deal with the ego part of what if I want to stay in the classroom forever? Mm-hmm. Can I still contribute and make a difference and impact change in education? So I've been so lucky in the last four years to be able to teach part-time and still build my practice and make an impact with the book and build the mentory so that there's a place where teachers can go to find a mentor or to work with mentors or to be mentored through the podcast. Like there, there are so many different ways, but if you don't ask yourself your why, and you're only listening to what other people say and the the roles that other people Mm -hmm. have created, it's really easy to reduce yourself to that. But that whole idea of leadership as mission over position has given me the strength and the courage to keep just being me and finding my own way through educational leadership, but always, always from the classroom. I don't think I ever want to leave. And I feel really good that I can do it all that way. I do. It's incredible for me because I don't feel like, oh, I'm just a classroom teacher. Oh, like no, don't ever. We'll do that. I don't people like talk like that. that. It's I know. awful. It Being a classroom have... teacher is the most creative, incredible learning opportunity every single day. And too many educators who are leaders have forgotten mm-hmm. that that breath of the classroom, that lifeblood of the classroom and of student learning. And mm-hmm. I know that my work means something because I see it happen in my classroom. I don't just talk about it. I live it. Oh, my gosh. That whole thing you just said is such <laughs> so beautiful because teachers too many say that just a teacher. And I just want to say, oh, but you're just look at what you're doing and, and how much you're impacting young lives and they'll remember you. And and, and there's so many things. Anyway, that idea of mentoring, we need to talk about the mentoring because you didn't, I don't think you, did you have that when I was, no, no, that, that came about in the weirdest of ways. Yeah. I had started building outside the blocks, which is my consulting practice. And I was speaking to Stephen Hurley of Voice Ed Radio because it had just started that February before I had started my practice, which was in 
um, July. And I said to Steven, I think we can do something more with the show. And he's like, yeah, go do it. And I was like, okay. So I thought, well, what if teachers could get themselves a mentor and they didn't wait to be told or be in a mentorship program or be given somebody? And through that, we cultivated this one-to-one mentorship experience at the mentory. But then when the pandemic hit, we really evolved our understanding of mentorship based on our growing community and We now have conversations to build capacity and impact and all these amazing different ways, including the weekly podcast, the On Ed Mentors podcast, where I gather a different panel of educators to talk about something in education and learn from each other, including you, which is always wonderful to have (laughs) you on. But the idea that I could dream something and say, yeah, we all have something to teach and we all have something to learn. Why can't we create a culture around that and then do it? So I'm Mm -hmm. so lucky to have a team of leaders who work with me and a team of educators who lead and learn from each other. And yeah, mm-hmm. we're, we're going through a web development right now, but the community continues to grow. So check us out at thementory.com. Oh my gosh. See that, you know, I, I'm a coach and mentor and I love that. So to me, um, that's how we should be doing professional learning. That's it. I mean, I've been trying to explain that teacher, maybe the word teacher is wrong too because we're more of a facilitator and um, guide and, uh, and mentor and coach. And I don't know what the word is. And someone's been saying, instead of student, call them learners. But someone said, why don't we call them scholars? <laughs> and all the words, the words kind of mean something. But if you're finding yourself being the one responsible and held accountable for the learning, the words matter. The words do matter. And, you know, even the word coach and mentor, which is, these are conversations you and I have actually had Mm -hmm. there, there are things really worth thinking about and they're very, very different. Um, But ultimately if we could build culture around mentorship and understanding that even in the classroom, like my greatest takeaway from remote learning, because I was in the virtual school was that I scheduled a one-to-one with every single student every single week because I was so afraid of losing my grade eights, really terrified. Mm. There, I mean, there were kids you'd never seen uh, their faces. And so I needed to connect. And what I was able to do, the kind of learning I could facilitate for my students through those five-minute one-to-ones every single week was transformational. And so I am bringing that back to the classroom. And it's been a really interesting learning, but basically, like you were saying, becoming the mentor to my students that they deserve, like really seeing them where they are and being able to not just personalize their learning, but to create personalizing scenarios because I really know them. And I could say, this is totally for you. You should try playing with this medium because I know you did that. Maybe this is your next step. What do you think? And then they would say, actually, I was playing in this. Maybe I could try that. And I would say, cool, try it. Let's see how that goes. And it's a totally different dynamic like that. It's really cool. Well, I love the mentorships and and we could talk all day, but I think <laughs> my porch is going to start closing up here pretty soon. But but I, I do want to tell you this, you know, I know you, I follow you on Twitter. I follow you on other, uh, you know, other pro platforms, but I have to t- just doing this open the door to some new things about you. I didn't know. And it's so cool. I just, I'm so glad we did this. (laughs) I'm so glad we did this. I love spending time with you. Me too. Noah, this is you, you are um, 
a gift to me because you say to me that I'm constantly changing and whatever, but you look what you did. That is amazing. And being able to push yourself out of your own comfort zone to write a song and <laughs> that way, the way you did it, and then show that there's ways that educators can use your book and the song and the story, and then it can explore it. And now you also have this idea of everyone can have a mentor if they want. I mean, why not? Why not? This is just, you made my day. <laughs> Thank you for this time. Oh, no, this has just been wonderful. Well, keep on doing what you're doing and we will connect again and we'll share okay. some wonderful uh, links and video and music and some other things so people can find find you online. Thank you so much, Barbara. Really. Thank you, Noah. See you later. See you soon. 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 We need that hug. Okay. <laughs>